Hello, and welcome to the Student Ministry Conversations podcast with your hosts, Russell Martin and Brent Aiken. This podcast is all about equipping, encouraging, and inspiring youth pastors weekly with topics that are brought to the table by youth pastors from all over the world. And now, here's your host for this week, Brent Aiken. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, we want to welcome you and invite you over to our website, studentministryconversations.org. There you can find all of our episodes, show notes, you can find blog articles, free downloads for different resources, stuff like that. Um, But the purpose of this is our goal is that you are inspired, encouraged, and the things that you find and hear on this podcast can equip you to be a better student pastor for the church that you are serving in. Um, And so today we are sitting down with Brock Morgan, um, and Brock is our second recurring guest. So uh, congratulations. I don't know if we need to throw anything for that, but uh, (laughs) we're sitting down with Brock because Brock just wrote a book. Um, and it just released, um, not too long ago called the anxious teen. And so we're going to get into that pretty quickly. Um, but first off Brock again, uh, just in case they might've missed the last uh, episode that you were on, or just, uh, need a little bit of a refresher on who you are. Tell us who you are. Tell us what you do, all that fun stuff. Yeah. So, uh, I am a youth pastor and I've been an in the trench kind of day-to-day youth worker for uh over 30 years can you believe uh i'm like a unicorn there aren't uh (laughs) there's there's a few of us but uh a lot of my friends anyways have moved on to uh you know what they call real uh ministry uh which i'm offended by when are you going to be a real pastor no i just i love it and um i i just I, uh, ha- God hasn't released me from it. And I just, uh, I love what I do. I, uh, live in Southern California with, uh, my wife, Kelsey and our daughter, Danson and our puppy CS Lewis, we call him Lewis. And, um, I work at a church called the bridge in Chino, California. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, what I do, who I am. Um, I, I, I love Jesus. How about that? <laughs> That's awesome. No, that, I mean, I, I can't think of a better uh, introduction as far as that goes. And just side note, like I read earlier today, you, you mentioned your pet's name, C.S. Lewis. I read today that Netflix uh, found the director for their first two Chronicles of Narnia movies that they're going to be putting out. And oh. I was like, yes, dude, so pumped. I, I don't think I've heard this. I'm, yeah. I'm pumped. All right. Yeah. So their Netflix is going to continue the C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia books in movies, but then they're also going to do like a TV series um, of Chronicles of Narnia. So dude, just side on. note, I, I read that today and I was pretty pumped about that. That's but, awesome. Yeah. No, especially when you brought it up as that was your pet's name. I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, but so anxious teen obviously anxiety is a huge um thing in our world today but in the grand scheme of things anxiety is not a new topic when it comes to teenagers and it's not a new topic when it comes to uh, anybody in our culture or our world for that matter um that's been something that we have um dealt with i mean for generations and generations of time before us and it'll happen for generations after us and so um what out of your own personal life, I guess, challenged you and pushed you to, I I guess, make that the forefront and the focus of a book. 
Well, um, I think that there's, you know, so I've been, I started youth ministry in 1991. Uh, that was like my first internship. I was a college student and, um, and I'm not going to tell you how old I was. Yeah. I'm guessing you, uh, in 1991, were you, uh, al- I'm guessing you were alive, but you were little. Are you, were I was, you alive? I was, I was little. I was, I was alive. <laughs> okay, good. At least you were alive. So you could have been a kid in my youth group, man. That's true. How about this? I even, uh, did ministry for a short time in Texas as an intern out of college. So right there where you are, could have happened. It could have happened. Um, but what we've seen in youth culture is uh, a growing epidemic. And so when I was a kid, um, no one talked about anxiety. We, we didn't really use that word. Maybe I would say, I'm, man, I'm stressed right now. Um, but you never saw or heard of anyone having a, uh, um, like an anxiety attack, a panic attack. Um, if someone wigged out, you may have been like, dude, that, that kid's having a conniption fit. <laughs> you know, maybe we would use words like that. Um, and so with each generation in the nineties, I was dealing with kids struggling with, uh, anger. Like there was a lot of angry kids. I don't know if you've, uh, uh, read much about teenagers in the nineties, but you had a lot of anger. There's doc documentaries about it. Um, Woodstock 99 is a documentary about, um, about all this anger that music was angry. Like we were dealing with that in the two thousands, Chap Clark wrote a book about hurt. And now all of a sudden we became aware of teenagers who are dealing with systemic uh, abandonment where um, the things that were once in place for kids uh, turned in on themselves and became about the adults in charge. And uh, mom and dad were kind of uh, disconnected and working. Um, And so kids were struggling with hurt. Um, towards the end of the 2000s, we started hearing about kids cutting themselves and um, this kind of behavior, which again, that wasn't like a thing in previous generations. I'm not saying that there wasn't self-harming happening, but it wasn't in, uh, there wasn't a lot of kids who were wrestling with that, dealing with that. And then around 2010, all of a sudden, we started hearing about kids spiking issues with anxiety and so um for the last you know 12 13 years as a youth pastor it's become something that i have uh all of a sudden it creeped up in my own story in my own life and then i started noticing it in the lives of our kids and then what happened and in 2010 um you had five million more teenagers get a smartphone than it ever had one before. And with the smartphone, all of a sudden we're dealing with some new things, new problems. And, uh, and so here we are 2022. Um, uh, I have a book about it. And the funny thing is, is I didn't want to write this book, Brent. I did not want to write this book. I went to my publisher and I, uh, was like, hey, I feel like I've got a, my next book in me. 
and I, I pitched five different books and the publishing company was like, uh, you got anything else? <laughs> it wow. Was, it wow. was like, it was like, uh, yeah, I mean, sure. But you got any other ideas? And I, I waited and I was like, all right, I have this idea about, um, anxiety and uh, teen anxiety and what's going on and I started talking about that and uh, my publisher was like that's it that you have to write this book this is what we're dealing with and uh, this is the one and I think I didn't want to write it because I didn't want to spend two years plus kind of digging in that world but the more I thought about it as a youth worker I'm already in that world yeah. So uh, I might as well dive in. And so, uh, yeah, the anxious team came out uh, September. And uh, so we're a couple months in. We've got uh, people are reading it uh, around the country and uh, even in Europe. And I'm hearing amazing things. And it's uh, I'm humbled and I'm excited about uh, we tried to write a book that was hopeful and helpful. Uh, and based in solid research. So I co-wrote it with a uh, professor out of uh, uh, Azusa Pacific University, who's an, uh, a counselor, has her own practice. And um, she kept me honest and, uh, um, and it was super helpful. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's, I mean, it's obviously a pretty uh, prevalent issue in our world. And I mean, anybody that would, disagree with that I think has been living under a rock um, because it is something that we are all massively facing and you say that I mean I I've been in youth ministry now for 12 years and um, it's been something that um, you talk about how like the trend started just about 12 years ago so like growing up me like me becoming a youth pastor me doing my first decade in youth ministry, that has pretty much been it. Uh, I haven't dealt with the other sides of it is I've seen the anxieties, the ins and outs of all that stuff. Um, and it's, it's something, but I don't know. I, is there anything different as far as anxiety goes that makes it feel like a different beast to tackle when it came to what you talked about or begin uh, earlier with like the nineties being uh, anger and the two thousands being hurt uh, do you think that there's anything different with the beast that is anxiety that might cause this to be a longer lasting phase? Well, I think that along with it comes issues with addictions. Um, and it's this horrible cycle, you know, so you have kids with gaming addiction and uh, screen time addiction and um, uh of course, uh, the accessibility of pornography addiction, and all of that actually feeds anxiety. Um, And so it's really um, a a different beast in that. um, So for example, I mean, you probably deal with this as a youth pastor, maybe you've tried to have a retreat where you're like, kids, you're not allowed to bring your cell phone. Yeah, maybe you go on a mission trip we're going to Mexico or wherever you can't bring your cell phone or you got to put it away or whatever it is. And even parents will help their kids figure out how to hide their cell phone. And, you know, so like um, this device that we're carrying around, 
um, is not, it's not helping. And so I think that uh, one is it's more pervasive anxiety than I, than I was dealing with kids with hurt or anger or whatever the issue is. It's more pervasive. It's more widespread. It's more common. Um, it's almost weird if you meet a kid who's just like full of peace, (laughs) who has no addictions, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is, uh, um, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. You're like, wow, this is incredible. It can happen. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. So it's just more pervasive, um, more widespread. It's a serious issue. And it's not just an issue with that, uh, teenagers are, are dealing with this is a societal epidemic yeah um, and going into that societal side um you you mentioned this a little bit uh, earlier in the podcast but then before that we started recording you talked about it a little bit as well um this is very much something that affects us all so how has uh, anxiety even you said it affected you even in this kind of realm of um, everybody kind of having their struggles and going through it. How did anxiety affect you? And what did you learn from that experience of trying to, I guess, yeah. adapt and overcome that? Well, maybe uh, you can attest to this, Brent. I'm not sure. Uh, most youth pastors, if they are in it long enough, eventually they're going to have a tragic church experience. Um, and so my anxiety happened because of a work environment. So um, I got my dream, what I thought was my dream job, and um, it ended up, have you ever uh, seen that Tom Cruise movie, The Firm? You know, uh, he's a lawyer, he gets hired by a firm in Memphis, it's his dream job, they're paying him all kinds of money, um, and it's awesome, they buy him a car and a house, and and he, real, he realizes quickly that he's taken a job from the mafia. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the firm he's working for. He had no idea. Well, I get this dream job. And um, quickly, I realize, oh, my gosh, this is a horrific, toxic work environment. Um, my, yeah. first, my first day on the job was a Sunday morning. So I'm in the youth space and um this is like 2007 i'm in the youth space i'm welcoming kids in. all of a sudden this guy walks in and he's like hey are you the youth pastor i'm like yeah he goes dude i was in a meeting yesterday and i just felt compelled to come and tell you i'm like yeah what's up he goes i was in a meeting yesterday with the head pastor and some of the uh elders in the church And the head pastor was talking about how he was really upset about the direction you were taking the youth ministry. And the way he was talking about you is so negative. I just felt compelled to come and kind of give you a warning. I looked at him and I was like, dude, this is my first day on the job. Like, wow, you're not, uh, I think you're, I think you're talking about, so I think you're confused. He goes, is your name Brock Morgan? And I was like, yeah, he goes, yeah, that's who he was talking about. And, um, but I just felt like I needed to tell you, I dismissed what this guy was saying, but what in the coming days and weeks, I kept hearing people saying, dude, the pastor is talking terrible about you. Now, this is a huge church. 
you know, I've, we've got hundreds of kids in the youth ministry and it's this big thing. And what I discovered was that there was a massive turnover in the youth pastor position. Guys just kept getting fired. And, um, and uh, at any rate, quickly, I uh, went to one of the pastors. I was like, dude, what's going on? This, the head pastor's killing me. And he goes, Brock, I didn't want to tell you this, but everyone wanted to hire you except for the lead pastor. And he's trying to sabotage you. And I was like, what? So I just kind of went, I'm going to make this happen. I, my wife, my kid, we're there. We moved here. Like, and I just worked my tail off. And what ended up happening was the first time in my life I remember locking myself in the bedroom and hyperventilating just from the pressure and the weight and the, the environment and the, how toxic it was and working hard and not taking days off. And I remember my wife knocking on the bedroom door, like, honey, are you okay? What's going on? And I didn't know what was going on. I just, I just knew I couldn't breathe. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, uh, and I came to find out again. This is this is you know two, by this time two thousand seven two thousand eight. Now all I knew was is that I felt like I was having a heart attack a couple times. We got we rushed ourselves to the hospital um, to the ER because I thought I was dying. Come to find out, dude, what you have is not a heart issue. You have what's called anxiety. You you had a panic attack. I had never struggled with anything like this. Yeah. But the work environment, the environment created sure. this issue for me. And I had to learn how to deal with this, cope with this, uh, be a person of peace and, uh, and still do my job. And I eventually, of course, left that position um, for my own sanity. And, uh, um, but then, all of a sudden, a couple of years later, all of a sudden, kids started showing up to my office describing things that I personally had gone through, and it became this gift, like, oh, my gosh, okay, I can help you, and so, um, yeah. it, it, and so this was pre, this isn't pre-cell phone, but this was pre, like, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, I, there, there wasn't, like, social media in the way that there is now, and so, around 2010 that exploded and um all of a sudden kids are struggling with all of this stuff that i hadn't seen before but i had just come out of myself got counseling and healing for and so i could help and so it ended up i feel like anxiety became kind of my superpower yeah no and you you were talking about how everybody kind of once you've been in for a certain amount of time, unless you just have a long standing stay at a church, like your first one, and they're amazing more, more times than not, there's going to be that traumatic church experience. And I totally, uh, totally have had mine already. The church that I worked at before here, um, almost carbon copy of what you just said. Isn't that um, insane? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the pastor did not like me. He did not want to hire me. Um, and I remember the pastor telling me to my face as I was talking to him about what I had planned for the youth ministry and how I planned on being here for a long time. He goes, eh, I give you 18 months. <laughs> and it was just one of those things that like, I mean, I was just like, 
I, I think that I had, I mean, like I, I was caught aback. Uh, I mean, for sure, because I was just like, wait, what did he just say? Yeah. He said that he, he said that to my face that he I gave me 18, 18 months. months at this job and then I would be gone. And so come to find out later, like, um, now granted, I'm not going to say it was all his fault. I'm, I have definitely grown and matured as a youth pastor and as an adult and everything else during that time frame as well. Um, but about a year into my being there, I, uh, somehow or another, our, uh, church emails got kind of interwoven, um, and a, it, email that was sent to the pastor somehow or another got emailed to my inbox. Right. Um, and so I happened to see an email that said, Hey, uh, please come to this meeting as we discuss Brent's future at this church. And you're like, Oh, pit in the stomach. And I didn't, I didn't know about the meeting. I was never told about the meeting or anything like that. Um, and it was, yeah, very much. I didn't have anxiety attacks or anything like that, but I mean, just anxiety of like, I couldn't, I couldn't, not watch my back anymore. I, I mean, the, the sense of safety and the sense of security was gone. I didn't trust the, the church that I was in. I didn't trust the situation where I was in. I didn't trust the pastor at all. Um, and it's not necessarily saying that all churches are bad and there's a bad pastor at every church or anything like that. Cause, uh, the church that I work at now is completely restored. Um, that sense of trust and accountability and everything else. But like you said, there are toxic churches out there. Oh, man. Um, and we, we have to be careful with those because they can absolutely break any chance of you doing ministry in the future. If you allow them to now, did Brent, here's the key question. Did you make it the 18 months? I, I actually made it four years. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, I, I serve being a Methodist church. We have the lovely thing called the itinerant system where right. pastors rotate and, I get appointed to different churches. I actually uh, lasted for, through that pastor, the next pastor, and six months into the third pastor. Um, Holy which, moly. Which we felt bad because um, the third pastor, he was is a fantastic guy. We really loved him a lot. Um, but it was just one of those things we were like, hey, look, it, it's time for us to go. Um, what Dude, had been done three had transitions. Been done. That's tough. Yeah. So I, yeah, it's uh, that's for another podcast, but I, yeah. I, I went through my first, <laughs> I think my first seven years of youth ministry, I went through five pastors. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, and now like at this church, I've had the same pastor the whole time. He's not planning on going anywhere. Um, and Oof. so that's been refreshing, but it was just one of those things. Like I, I either caught the tail end of one pastor being there, or it was a bad pastor that didn't last long. Um, and then I moved, which I had another pastor and then that pastor did like caught the tail end of them. And I mean, everything like that. So it was just one of those things, like it's how it played out. But if anything, it taught me, um, a few things about how to do my job with or without the pastor's <laughs> support and approval. Right. Um, but which is not fun. That is not a no. fun, healthy or uh, recommended route. <laughs> no. Well, and I think I think it's one of those things. And uh, I I know we're talking about anxiety and everything else, but I I just read uh, 
another book um, that I totally would recommend for people, especially uh, if you're listening to this and you have teens dealing with anxiety. Because um, I to, correct me if I'm wrong, your book is more how to combat the anxious teen. It's not necessarily like a pickup for the teenager to read and deal with it themselves, kind of thing yeah, like it's, that. Correct. It's, it's written to uh, adults, so youth workers, yeah. parents, teachers, anyone who is working with uh, yeah, with yeah. kids. So with that, another book, especially for teenagers that might be dealing with different things like that, um, it's a book called Your New Playlist, and I'm sure you're familiar with John Acuff, um, but he and his daughters just wrote a book, um, and it talks about the power of mindset and overcoming those differences and those things that you can um, kind of affect and change on your own, and so it's something that I've started recommending to my group um, as far as a... uh, just a teenager read because it's written by teenagers for teenagers. Right. Uh, John had the idea and he wrote a book called soundtracks, which was more for adults. And then the number one thing that was requested off of that book was like, Hey, um, do you have one for kids? And he was like, uh, no. And he was like, well, I can't write this book. He was like, I'm not a kid. And so he recruited his daughters to write the book with him. Um, and they go through all kinds of different stuff that's going on in teenage culture, how to have the uh, mindset to stay above it or stay out of it, um, and ultimately help with anxiety and stress and everything like that. And I think that's something, um, anxiety, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is something we have to attack on all fronts. Um, we need to be tr- training ourselves. We need to be equipping the parents. We need to be equipping the students themselves, um, because this is something that, I mean, I, I hate to use the word because it still is uh, like a lingering cringe for so many people. But uh, the anxiety issues that we have today are pretty much the modern, well, the, the pandemic of the last decade. Um, We have so many issues with that. And so it's, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So going into the actual book though, um, you talk about how to, uh, not only what the anxious teen is dealing with, but how to combat that, how to equip as adults to deal with this. What are some things that um, you would recommend for a youth pastor that's listening to this? Um, And they're saying, man, like, dude, Brock, every single kid in my youth group, I have 20 kids and all of them are coming to me and talking about how they're so stressed about school or athletics or their home life or anything else. Like, what would be your advice to them on how to start addressing and combating that? Yeah, I think that it's just the uh, beginning just by understanding the why. Why is, why is this happening? And, and just real quick, it's happening because of social media and screen time. And what is going on with social media and screen time is comparison, addiction, sleep problems, And then all of that leads to risky behaviors. So social media, screen time, they're constantly comparing themselves to what to others. Uh, There is addictions. Kids who are sleeping with their phone in the room are uh, have significant more anxiety and addiction issues than kids who don't. And most of our kids, let's face it, are sleeping with their phones right next to them. And they're having terrible sleep patterns. and then uh, t- risky behavior. So a kid in my youth group a couple of years ago came up to me. He was hyperventilating and he was like uh, having a hard time talking. I'm like, dude, what's going on? Take your time. 
what's happening. And what he ended up saying was, uh, Brock, uh, about three years ago, my old girlfriend uh, asked me to take a picture of my, uh, you know, my uh, thingy and send it to her. And I did. So three years later, now this week, that picture has resurfaced and it's going all over social media, all over the school. And he is just wigging out, right? So you have these risky behaviors that I, I would have done stupid stuff on social media or whatever had I had a phone. It's, like the, not, it's not like this generation is worse than we were. We just didn't yeah. have the access to all of it. And so you've got this comparison, addiction, sleep problems, risky behaviors. You got a culture where happiness is all the rage. So you've uh, mom and dad feel like it's their job to make sure little Tommy never feels sad, never feels upset, never feels angry. And happiness is kind of so they've never had had they've never been taught that actually sadness is sometimes it's a good thing. And uh, being upset is not, you know, maybe there's a reason why and to investigate that and to. And then you throw in the fact that there's all this pressure that kids are feeling, pressure from parents, pressure from teachers, pressure from their peers right now in incredible ways. And so you have all, you've got to understand the why and how to respond. And there's a lot more of the why, but how to respond is as maybe as youth workers to begin by reintroducing prayer and meditation as kind of normative rhythm in our ministries. We reintroduce prayer and meditation. And what I, what I mean by that is I was discovering that we were doing announcements longer than we were praying at youth group. And I was grieved by that. And our kids didn't know how to pray. Our adults barely know how to pray. And I realized, and then all the research is telling us that prayer and meditation is one of the most, uh, it's, it's one of the most beneficial things you can do if you're struggling with worry, anxiety, stress, all of these things, um, prayer and meditation. And so we started by making prayer normative. So for example, after my talk, we have leaders come to the front. Now we're having kids come to the front and other students can come and get prayed for while the closing worship song is happening before they head off to small groups. And it's gotten to the point now, if we, if we don't do that, kids feel upset. They feel like they got gypped. Like, why didn't we pray tonight? Like they, they want it. They crave it. We do different, uh, prayer, uh, uh, prayers together. Um, and this is all part of, it's been a part of the Christian culture for a couple thousand years. And somehow we have abandoned prayer and meditation. The scriptures are, uh, steeped in it. I remember speaking at a, an Episcopal church and I was talking about this stuff and this Episcopal priest came up to me and he was like, Hey, what you should incorporate in, uh, and what would be helpful with kids is Buddhist meditation. And I was polite and I was like, all right, okay, thanks. Um, and I walked away both intrigued and troubled. And I think I was intrigued because, all right, Buddhist meditation, meditation in general, I'm not teaching kids how to meditate. Um, 
But then I thought, why am I troubled? And I'm troubled because this Episcopal priest felt like he needed to leave the faith in order to incorporate meditation. But the faith is all about, like, it's that you have passage where we meditate on the word day and night and these meditative practices. And so we have reintroduced prayer and meditation in our youth ministry where we're teaching kids prayers, um, sitting in silence and stillness and just slowing them down just a little bit for a couple of minutes. And we're finding it having massive benefit for kids because they learn how to do it. They go home and when they're struggling, they can incorporate these things. And so reintroducing prayer and meditation. What do you think, Brent? No, I totally agree. And one of the things that we've pushed in our group for a long time now um, is, I mean, for, for the instance of being able to actually express what's what they're struggling with, but then also see evidence of God moving in their lives is prayer journaling. Um, yes. And so one of the things that we encourage all of our kids to do is, hey, get a spiral and stick it by your bed. And mm -hmm. depending on your day, if you're tired and you are just like, I really want to go to bed, bullet point a few things like, God, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. Help me with this. Help me with this. And the days that you have the mental capacity to like really go at it, I want you to write like it's a diary. Um, and then just have this mindset of like, date every single time you put something in, but then also provide a little area to where you can mark what prayers were answered, what prayers haven't been answered, if you're continuing to pray for them, all this stuff. And we challenge kids to do that. And we've had multiple kids come to us and say, I, I can't live without that now. Mm. Like that is something that I have to do in my daily rhythm. If not, I am absolutely a mess because I, they're like, I don't, I do it right before I go to bed. If I fall asleep before I do it, I don't sleep and like all kinds of stuff. And so, I mean, the practice of having that ability to just say, all right, here's what's going on. Here's what I need to decompress from God. Take it is a super powerful thing. And honestly, adults need to learn how to do it too. Um, because adults are just as bad or worse than teenagers are. Um, which is scary um, because there's a lot of teenagers that don't know how to deal with anxiety at all. Totally. So. Um, yeah, man. So secondly, let's, uh, let me throw out another one. Uh, develop a culture of wounded healing. So it's, uh, uh, we started having kids and even adults and even myself not share from a place of strength but from a place of possible maybe brokenness and weakness. So typically we tend in the church to talk about how, yes, I had these struggles, but then I invited Jesus into my life and I've been good ever since. Rather than being open and vulnerable. And so we started having kids sharing what they're currently going through, what they're in the midst of. And it created this environment where kids were, they saw that they were being used by God, even in the midst of their difficulty or used by God because they went through whatever it was they went through. Yeah. And so uh, a few, not long ago, uh, um, a kid came up to me and he was like, Hey, can we get together? I've been really struggling with some anxious feelings and I don't know what to do. Can we meet? And I was like, yeah, is it all right if I invite, and I mentioned this other kid, because I knew that he had struggled with anxiety. He's like, yeah, totally. So I go to this kid, um, 
he's like, yeah, I'm down. We meet at a coffee shop and I sit there and I'm watching this kid who has been through it, sharing his, what he's learned and grown in and the struggles he's had. And I'm watching God using this teenage boy in the life of this other teenage boy. And I'm like, dude, this is it. Like, I can't, this is like, we've got to develop this culture where it's normal to be a part of ministering to, to their peers because, um, and from a place of not like happy bow at the end of every story. And then, you know, I accepted Jesus and I've never had anxiety again, but here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm in the midst of. Here's my journey. And what it's also done is it created a culture of confession, like kids getting help. I'm yeah. struggling and it becomes normal to get help, normal to, uh, to be honest and vulnerable and open. And that was modeled first and foremost by me. I needed to change because uh, when I first started in ministry, I had this temptation to never share my own struggle, my own doubt my own skepticism, my own insecurity and brokenness and hangups. And I don't mean sharing in a way that gives kids ideas on how to sin <laughs> or glorifying uh, struggle, but to be honest and open in an appropriate way creates yeah. a culture where it's like, oh, so like, it's okay to be sick here. It's okay to be broken and struggling. Yeah. I'm safe I'm not here. the only one. I'm not the like only that. one. And so just developing that culture maybe starts with the youth worker and then goes to other leaders and then it, to students. And all of a sudden you have this healing culture happening that's uh, remarkable to see. So that would be a, 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 another idea. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I sat in a uh, online conference um, that Springtide Research Institute did. Um, a couple weeks back, and they partnered with Fuller Youth for the the Protestant side of things. Um, and with that, one of the things that they said is, they said roughly sixty one percent of teens that they surveyed said their parents have no idea how they actually feel right now. Oh. Um, and they said it honestly even stretches more to the nature of all adults, not just parents. And so they said teens are significantly more likely to have these significant life-changing conversations with peers that are their own age more than adults that they trust. Yep. And so that really, really kind of shook me for a little bit. And I, you, I think you addressed it well. It's big. I think one of the biggest things with anxiety and all these issues that teenagers are facing now is we need to stop saying, well, hey, come to me. I have all the answers. We need to be saying, hey, this person has dealt with it. This person has already figured out the right way to handle this. Why don't you go talk to them instead? Mm. And start incorporating teenagers that are actually, like you said, that have struggled through it, that have worked towards progressing out of it um, because they are far more likely to listen to peers their own age than they are adults. Um, which is heartbreaking at one part, because I mean, I think pride in all of us is wanting to be like, no, I have the answers. Come talk to me kind of thing like that. But we're beginning to live in a society where they don't want to anymore. 
Um, so we need to be working to equip the teenagers that we have in our ministries to be able to minister effectively to the other teenagers that are out there. Um, and otherwise we're going to see a lot of very, very poor information giving, um, over the next couple big time. Right. Yeah. Mm. Um, I got two more things. Okay. Two more ideas. Um, we can jump on these pretty quickly. Uh, I would, uh, also say, uh, in something that can help with, uh, how do we respond to kids? today who are in the midst of so much struggle we're reintroducing prayer and meditation we're developing a culture of wounded healing and then um and then deepen your teaching now what i mean by that is not what you think i mean by that typically when we say hey shallow youth ministry is not cutting it anymore the get up tell a funny story giving them a, a little jesus and send them on their way that's not uh, sufficing kids need meat, not just shallow milk. Um, and that's all true. I, I completely agree. Um, I have found that uh, actually solid biblical teaching is, it, even for kids who aren't Christian, the seeker kid, that's way more effective than uh, yeah. old youth ministry talks, that old models from the 80s um started um but what i mean by deepening your teaching is this truly great teaching biblical teaching leads people to a person and the power and presence of god's spirit the power and presence of jesus is healing and kids are desperate for a God who is real and alive and active and working. And so we're opening the scriptures. Yes, we're maybe looking at this line. What, what, what was the culture? What was happening at the time? Uh, what, was, what was the attention of the author? We're doing that stuff. It's good stuff, good teaching. But it's not, we don't just stay in the head, but we engage the heart and we lead them to the person of Jesus. Yeah who's in the room, by the way, who's yeah. working. Um, and so we create space. And I did mention, you know, how we had prayer post, um, you know, post talks and things like that. And I think this is key. Your teaching must lead kids to a person. And that person is God. Yeah. And there should be space in there um, in your teaching where you're not just, it's not just about intellectual facts. All right. Now send them on their way. That's no better than, uh, shallow talks. Now send them on their way. We've got to get them to Jesus Yeah. and not just intellectually. So we're engaging the mind and the heart. And, um, and so deepening our teaching is super key, understanding where kids are and speaking into that with the scriptures and with story and with then giving them over to to jesus yeah um, definitely and so uh that's been super key so we've got to be more spiritual in our yeah. teaching no i i agree with that i can't can't add or take away from that one what's right. your last one all right easy partner with experts Ooh. so so 
we as youth workers tend to have what's called Jesus complex. We have this Jesus complex and it's like, uh, all kids really need is me. <laughs> I can solve every kid's problem. And the reality is, is you can't, you're out of your depth. And so you need to be in relationship with people. So the majority of your kids are struggling with addiction, with anxiety, with fears. They're, they, are, they have all of these issues that previous generations may not have had to this degree. Yeah. So you need to be in partnership and friendship and relationship with people that you can get your job. See, you're the first responder. A lot of times kids will come to you first when they're really struggling. Why? Because you're safe. You're, you love them. You care for them. You're present. You're in their life. You're showing up in their, at their game, at the recital, at their play. You, you are there for them. They're going to come to you when they're struggling. And your job isn't just to be a listening ear and pray for them and send them on their way. Your job is to get them to the right person. So we have relationships with counselors and people, spiritual directors. And depending on the issue, I, my job is to escort them and get them to the right person and also raise money to pay for it if they can't, if their family can't, so that money is not an issue. So I'm raising money, I'm in partnership with people, and I'm making sure that these kids are getting the help that they so desperately need. So there's, there's four ideas for us. And it can feel overwhelming, but I would just encourage each one of us, begin where you are. Start from here. So you don't yeah. have a culture of wounded healing. You don't have a culture of prayer and meditation. You're not doing deep teaching. You have no relationships with experts. Just start where you are. Start from here yeah. and start to build something. No, that's, that's fantastic. Great, great insight. Thank you um for everything and i personally haven't had a chance to read the book uh, as Dude, you, you gotta said, read it, it this book out, man you gotta read this book it came out in september i haven't had a chance <laughs> to get my hands on it um and so it is definitely on my read list um and i would recommend it to be on yours as well um last question for you sir is um well first off do you have any other resources or references as far as like things where people can go find more information on it outside of your book and then also, how can people find your book to kind of close up that question? Yeah, well, there's all kinds of research and information. You mis mentioned Fuller. Um, do some good Googling about where uh, um, and proper research where all this stuff is. I have a huge list of resources in my book that can be helpful. And, um, uh, and then... Um, I would say you can go to the youthcartel.com and uh, go to their uh, book section and you can buy it there. Of course, you can buy it on Amazon. So it's been out a few weeks. We've got 17 reviews on Amazon. I'm excited about that, how, how many so far. And uh, um, man, and if, uh, as a listener, if, you're, if, you're, if you read it, um, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts because we're all in this together. I'm an in the trench youth worker and um, we can help each other. And so reach yeah. out to me. They can go to my website, uh, brockmorgan.com and you can email me through that. But I would love to interact and help in any way I can. We're all in this together. Awesome. 
Um, and then last thing, uh, we kind of, at the end of every episode, we allow you to have a shameless plug. Uh, how can people contact you other than your website? If there's any other ways that you, uh, have, and then also, <laughs> are you working on anything else? Uh, obviously you've been on, um, with us for other things. You do have other books, uh, obviously, uh, beautiful rebellion, was one of them. Um, and then one of the things that you did that really, really kind of uh, intrigued me when I when you first came on the show and Russell did your interview was y'all talked about Youth Ministry 2027. Yeah. Um, and that was, I was like, wait, what? Hold on, 20, 2027? What, yeah. how? Um, and so very, very interesting uh, mindset about focusing on um, like what's to come and what's next and focusing on um, the hope and revival that's hopefully coming in, in the near future. Um, yeah. I mean, that's my, that's my, uh, what I've been praying for. So yeah. Youth ministry 2027 was a book I wrote that uh, came out a few years ago and dude, I'm just, uh, and it's basically this, how do you get kids um, from doubt to faith and into a movement? And, um, and, and at any rate, it's, which is the, in John 20, 27, Thomas made that move from doubt to faith and into a movement. And yeah. so, um, yeah, so it's, uh, and it, it kind of is a little like, how do we, by 2027, how do we, which was what uh, a guy, a researcher told me that there would be a revival in the States by 2027. And I was like, dude, how do we do that? Like, how can we be about instigating a movement? And so that's what, how the book came. But um, yeah, they can uh, follow me on Instagram at real Brock Morgan. I'm the real one. Some putts took my name on Instagram. How dare they? You know, um, the, but nerve. the nerve of them at real Brock Morgan. Uh, and I've got uh, a few different resources they can check out. But um, again, this I haven't been more. I mean, I love all the books. They're like children that I've written. Um, but this recent one, I just feel like it is, um, it's so like, okay, here's what ha is happening now and how do we respond? And I, I, it's kind of a youth ministry model for today's kids. Um, yeah. and so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Some of my heroes have read it and, um, um, endorsed it and i'm just man i'm just i'm just a youth guy let, let yeah. i'm not i'm not a professor i'm i'm a youth pastor and so i'm just humbled by it all that's awesome no very very cool and like i said i'm looking forward to picking it up as well you should too um we'll have links for that um where you can find it on youth cartel also on amazon in the show notes for this episode as well as all the links and everything that we've talked about uh, from the book that John Acuff wrote with his daughters to uh, where you can find Fuller Youth Institute and all their research um, and then everything else um, that we can think about putting into the show notes. But um, man, Brock, thank you so much. It was such a privilege um, for me to get to do this episode since Russell got to do the last one. Um, and I, I really, really uh, enjoyed the conversation um, and just appreciate your time and being uh, willing and able to come back on the show. Um, it's been a little bit of a stretch of time since your first one. Um, and, uh, it's, it's cool to see, um, 
guests come back on and continue conversations about things that are going on. Because the thing is, is hopefully uh, most of the guests that have come on this show are still youth pastors. They're still in the trenches doing what they were doing when they were on the first time. And so it's something that we really, really enjoy um, getting to uh, do when we have the opportunity to have repeat guests. So thank you for that. Awesome. And then that is all the time we have for today's show. Uh, But did you know that you can now support us on, uh, support the podcast by becoming a member of our Patreon? You can go to patreon.com slash talkstudentmen and you can check out how to sponsor our show as well as the different uh, perks that come from being a subscriber. Um, If you can't support us financially, that's totally fine. Um, We've gone this far without it, and we can totally keep on moving. Um, But we would ask that you do your part uh, by getting our podcast out to the greater student ministry audience. Share our podcast with your youth pastor friends on social media. Tag a specific episode um, that really stood out to you. Maybe it was this one uh, because it was amazing. Um, But either way, be sure to tag us in the post on your favorite platform uh, by using at talk student men. And then finally, if you want to be on the show in the future, you can reach out to us on social media or you can send us an email podcast at studentministryconversations.org. And we'd love to set up a time that you can come on the show with us so your voice can be heard too. Um, Brock, again, this conversation was a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. I hope uh, that this brings some more people towards your book. Um, and I, more than anything, the whole point of why we started this podcast is I hope that this, uh, brings people to your book, but that more importantly, it open opens up conversation post book on how we can do better and how we can attack this from a more unified angle as youth pastors across the country and across the world. Um, but so we're excited definitely for listeners to hear this one. Um, until next time, we hope that you all have a great week and we will see you next Thursday.